Hey folks, welcome to episode 7 of the Empowering Ability Podcast. Welcome to the Empowering Ability Podcast, where we get you and your loved ones impacted by disability, the information needed to live a full and meaningful life. Now here is your host, Eric Gall. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Empowering Ability Podcast. Uh, This is episode seven, and today's guest is Karen Chambers from the Bob Rumball Association for the Deaf, and they're located in a couple of places, Toronto, Perry Sound, uh, Milton area, and they provide services to... um, individuals that are deaf and or deaf blind and also people that are deaf or deaf blind with some sort of um, intellectual disability. So Karen and I have a great chat around um, language and communication, particularly with uh, those individuals that uh, are deaf or deaf blind and um, and how to communicate with them and, and just some of the language to use um, when referring to um, an individual that is deaf or deaf blind. And we also talk about the um, history and the story behind the Bob Rumble Association for uh, the Deaf, and it's, it's a pretty cool story, so I think you'll enjoy that. And then we get into social innovation and um, some of the projects that um, – the organization is working on. So without uh, further ado, here's Karen. Hey, Karen, welcome to the Empowering Ability Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Eric. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, thanks, Karen. We're super grateful that uh, you took the time out of your day to to come and chat with us. So we've got Karen Chambers, the executive director of the Bob Rumble Association for the Deaf. And Karen, maybe just to start off here, would you be able to tell us a little bit about the history of your organization and um, maybe just up to today in in terms of um, the services that that you provide for your customers or your clients? Sure. So, um, well, our history actually goes way, way back to uh, the Reverend Bob Rumble, who established the uh, Bob Rumble Associations for the Deaf in uh, 1985 um, and was uh, doing some other deaf programs prior to that. He uh, was a Toronto Argonaut, uh, believe it or not, and um, he gave up his career as as an Argonaut uh, to, uh, to become an ordained minister and he felt that his calling was in the deaf community and that was uh, really not fair that deaf individuals didn't have access to um, to a religion, and so it all kind of started in a church basement uh, down in uh, downtown Toronto, and uh, grew into the uh, Ontario Camp for the Deaf up in Perry Sound and the associations. Uh, in Milton, which is where I'm speaking to you from today, and our center in Toronto, and our long-term care in Barrie, uh, just to name a few things that we that we have established over the years. Um, so that's a little bit of the history and uh, where we find ourselves today. We um, it is our mission to build better futures for deaf and deafblind um, children and adults with additional special needs. And uh, so we have um, services in Toronto uh, and in uh, Halton, 
for um, individuals who are deaf or hard of hearing uh, with a developmental disability. And we also serve uh, seniors um, who are deaf in Toronto, and we have an, um, an adult education program there as well for newcomers to Canada um, who uh, have a developmental disability and, uh, and some learning disabilities as well. Um, so here in, in Milton, um, we also run a, a children's mental health program, which is uh, designed to meet the, the unique needs of deaf kids and youth and their families. And it's, uh, it's a clinic, an outpatient clinic, um, that's located on the property of VC Drury School for the Deaf here in Milton. And, uh, we additionally run um, respite and, uh, or some people know it as parent relief uh, opportunities. Again, uh, it's just an opportunity for uh, deaf individuals to uh, meet up with uh, some of their peers and have a really nice weekend away or um, a good March break and, uh, and at the same time providing a break for their caregivers. So that, in a nutshell, is sort of our, our funded programs. And then uh, about four years ago, we decided to branch off into uh, social enterprise. Um, and that is known as The Range, which is a driving range located here in Milton as well. And the people who work at our range are also the people that we support. So it's been a really great uh, great opportunity. Very cool. Very cool. I love that story. Um, you know, starting with Reverend Bob Rumball from the Toronto Argos. Um, yeah, just awesome. And it sounds like, uh, you know, reflecting on your, the history of the organization, there's been a lot of innovation along the way and you've continued to innovate with, um, the social enterprise, the range. So I'm excited to dive into that a little bit deeper with you, Karen. Um, sure. But before we go there, um, just before uh, the podcast here, um, I said hearing impaired and you stopped me and you said, just hold on a second. Let's talk about language and language is super, super important. So when talking about the deaf and the deaf blind community, can you shed a little bit of light on um, the language that um, is uh, used with inside of your organization? Sure. So depending on uh, individual needs, there's a myriad of, of different modes of communication. Anything uh, from American Sign Language to um, Signed English to Hand Over Hand, um, uh, which is used for uh, deaf-blind individuals where you're actually communicating by touch on the hand. Um, we... Uh, it, Pretty much it's a total communication environment, so we make um, we make language work at whatever level that the individual needs it uh, needs needs to communicate in. Most of our staff are deaf uh, themselves, so we walk into work in the morning and we turn our voices off for the most part, except for you know an occasion like this when I'm talking to you. 
um, but we turn our voices off and we communicate in American Sign Language um, for the most part. Uh, it's very much a culture um, uh, along with the language uh, that we embrace here. Okay, that, that helps. So as an individual that doesn't have, um, doesn't speak uh, American Sign Language or no hand over hand, what is maybe uh, uh, some simple tools or tips that, that I can carry around with me when um, communicating with someone that's deaf? So believe it or not, in this world of technology, there's a an app. <laughs> there's an app for that. There's an app for that. It's okay. called Spread the Sign. And you can actually just type in, type in a word, and it will give you the sign um, that, that you would use. Um, alternately, you know, most of, most of the communication between a deaf individual, well, two deaf individuals or deaf and hearing, whatever, um, is through facial expression and body language. And the sign is, is, you know, to complement that, of course. But uh, so I would be, I would say, be as expressive as you possibly can. Um, and writing notes always works as well. And I would say that, you know, a deaf individual, you know, definitely don't shy away because of the communication barrier. Uh, any deaf people that I have met um, are very much just happy that you would want to interact. Very cool. That's super helpful. Um, and you also serve individuals that are deaf blind. So in terms of language or communication with those individuals, do you have any um, tips on that? Well, typically, if you were to meet a deaf blind individual in the community, they would be accompanied by an intervener. And that intervener is a support person who pretty much really navigates uh, the environment um, for the deafblind individual, so you would communicate with that person through their intervener. Okay, great. Great. That's awesome. I think that that'll help um, our listeners of this podcast to um, communicate um, or improve their communication with um, individuals that they encounter or in their life um, that are, are deaf or deafblind. So, so thank you for that, Karen. Um, no problem. So let's dive into the social innovation piece. And um, I know there's a couple of things that you're working on in this uh, space, um, particularly with the social enterprise side of it. So um, I'd love maybe if you could start off to tell us about the range. And the range is of particular interest to me because um, I've actually been to the, the, the Maybe it was before it was called the range, but the driving range that uh, that we're going to talk about when I was uh, in high school. So that was probably 15 years ago, but and it's probably changed a lot since then. So I'm excited to hear what's gone on. So, so can you tell us about the range? Sure. So, so I I've been in this position for uh, approximately 10 years, and um, that the range. Is on the proper is on property that's owned by the Ontario Mission of the Deaf, and there were some uh, business owners that had um, rented the property and set up uh, their business there, which was the driving range that you would have um, um, golfed at, Eric, many many moons ago. And, you know, I, I watched them for uh, a number of years run this business, and, and I thought to myself, you know, 
this is property of the uh, mission of the deaf, and um, I really like to see my guys benefit from this. So the business was essentially bought out, you know, for for actually a very low price because we had the property to begin with. So we're very fortunate about that. Um, and we started up the social enterprise aspect of it in 2013. So this is, I think, our fourth fourth season. We're just actually we just opened up last week. Um, and had a really busy weekend because the weather was so nice and those diehard golfers are dying to get back at it. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so, yeah, we we opened up in 2013 and we didn't miss a beat between seasons. So nobody really knew until they came in that the business had changed hands, if you will. In our first year, we employed... Uh, about 12 individuals uh, at the driving range, and they do anything from, you know, running the cash to, um, you know, driving the golf cart and picking up balls and washing balls and keeping the greens uh, nice and and beautiful. Basically, anything that we can do to uh, to train the people that we support in transferable skills so that they can then. Um, if they don't want to work at a driving range forever, they can find other opportunities in the commu- in the community to um, to work at or volunteer at. But I mean, our goal is really if you know if you're employable, let's let's find you a job. And we do, uh, you know, there's been this whole movement in in developmental services around closing sheltered workshops. And uh, I, I remember when the um, Assistant Deputy Minister came out for a visit to see the driving range uh, a couple of summers ago, and she said to me, and what do you pay your staff? <laughs> and I said, uh, minimum wage. And now, the staff are, are our clients, the people that we support. And I said, we do pay the minimum wage. And she said, right answer. <laughs> Um, because if you've been following along, which I'm sure most people have with uh, the whole sheltered workshop, there was, um, you know, just really fair uh, pay for employment is, is the goal. Right. So you're paying them a fair wage for the, the work that they're doing, right? Like that is, would these roles typically be minimum wage? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So that's sort of in a nutshell what we've been doing for the past uh, four seasons. And it's been just an exceptional thing to watch. We um, honestly, you know, Eric, for a long time, I've been I've been around for 25 years in this um, business in my current role uh, for 10. But you know, for a very long time, we just kind of you know we ran community homes and you know we had nice little. Um, arts and crafts and, you know, little activities and things on the side for the for uh, our clients to participate in. But there was never really, you know, a huge focus on, you know, really focus on individuals' abilities. And that's what we've sort of learned over the last number of years is, you know, let's stop looking at what people can't do and look at what people can do. And it is unbelievably shocking uh, when I see some of the people that have been with us, because we are very much a family, you know, sort of based organization. We're a community within a community, um, referring to the deaf community. 
And so some of um, my clients have been around um, for as long as I have. And to see them grow and see this opportunity and to see the pride and the joy on their faces when they put on their range staff T-shirts and, you know, to see somebody behind, I have to tell you, I was very, very nervous the first time I saw uh, one of our one of our guys driving the golf cart. Um, we have a pond on the property and, you know, all these horrible things were going through my mind of what could happen. And, uh, you know, once you get past that and you just, you, you know, I just, uh, you can't help but smile when you see, when you see the benefits of something like this. Yeah, I, I love it. Is there any examples that come to mind, Karen, that you're able to share um, of an individual maybe where, you know, at one point it was the deficits that that individual had that were being looked at and, and once they were in that, um, at working at the range um, and their abilities started to show up and, and really come out, um, do you have any uh, examples or stories that come to mind that you'd be able to share? Well, yeah, uh, actually, you know, there's a few of them really because um, some of some of uh, um, some of our guys really, again, you know, you would just think that, um, you know, how are they ever going to get employed anywhere? You know, because it's all about production or you know. Uh, like, you know, time is money and, and, you know, maybe our guys don't work maybe quite as fast as anybody else does, but the quality is there. And uh, so, you know, one of the gentlemen that we supported through the range um, actually ended up working at a golf course just down the street and finding employment there. Another, another gentleman, he um, has now got a job at a, um, a local catering uh, company and um, event venue. So, and, and these have been sustainable um, jobs. And the, so, the, you know, the customer service element that, um, that these gentlemen have learned, the, uh, again, the transferable skills, the expectations when you come in, you know, it's very much, these guys applied for these jobs. Um, they weren't just handed the jobs. They had to go through an interview process, well, develop a resume, obviously with any assistance that we could provide, develop a resume and, um, and interview for the job, and, and the best candidate gets the job. And we have, uh, along with um, our own clients, we've also supported um, uh, people from other community living organizations as well in terms of that uh, job training and and providing work so it's been it's been really kind of a an awesome uh, adventure and we also have people who I mean it's a lovely property here so we have people who come and they'll volunteer and maybe it's you know raking raking the the greens or um, planting some flowers that kind of thing and you know it's just actually uh, it, just the environment itself is very therapeutic it's it's quite lovely and relaxing and, uh, and nurturing. Very cool. And, and so that really 
brings home that this uh so the 12 individuals working there um, are learning transferable skills and i'm sure confidence is a piece of that to be able to um, go get jobs at uh, at other um employers right like you mentioned at uh, at another golf course and yeah. uh whatnot so that's fantastic you know the other um, thing sorry eric but i just have to get this out too the other thing is that uh, one of our guys um originally is from new brunswick and because our services are so unique, um, he came here as, as a kid and has uh, grown up with us. And he worked at the range and uh, he actually earned some money, put the money away, and he was able to fly home independently um, this past uh I think it was in the fall. You know what? I think it was around Christmas time. Went home to visit his mom. And uh, that was quite a quite an awesome reunion because she had not seen him in in quite some time and due to many circumstances. Um, and uh, he he could save up the money that he earned um, through working and and use the skills that he had acquired to catch a flight home to New Brunswick. <laughs> so that was that was a joyful moment for all of us as well. And a little nervous too, you know, making sure that, you know, we were happy when we heard he was on the plane safe and then we were happy that, you know, he met up safely with his mom and uh, so you're a little nervous, but, uh, but very happy endings. Yeah, I, I I love that, and, and you have to live a little bit on on the edge to to have that growth, right? If, if an individual is sitting in their comfort zone all the time, then typically we're we're not growing. So to um, you know jump on that first flight alone um, uh, is a challenging thing for anyone, and then I'm sure you add in um, an individual that has. Uh, is deaf or, or deaf blind and just adds another component into it. Um, yeah. So yeah, I love that. Um, and, and building on that confidence, right. That they're getting with, with the, with employment. Um, it's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm sure within, um, the Bob Rumble association for, uh, the deaf, when this idea first came out, Hey, let's turn this, driving range into a social enterprise was probably met with a bit of resistance from from some people within the organization. Um, what are some of the things that um, you did or the organization did to make this a, a smooth transition and, and make this thing happen? Well, you know, you've got to seize the opportunity when it comes along, right? And And I saw the opportunity and I saw this great thing that was happening next door that we weren't a part of, and it was on our very own property. And, uh, you know, like I said, it was fairly modest um, financial income or uh, investment. Um, and yeah, there, you know, there are risks attached to it, but uh, we also have a director, um, a, a golf director, who happens to live across the street from us. And he has been truly a godsend. We really couldn't do it, couldn't have done it without him. He has embraced uh, every one of his employees. Um, he he works tirelessly. I don't think you could ever um, pay someone like that enough uh, to do what he does. He's such a mentor 
such a role model. He um, he really has made that the range what it is. So you know, finding those key people. Um, again, you know, I think I, I did mention to you, Eric, that really the stars aligned for us. It was just such a great opportunity at the right time with the right people, and we were just very, very fortunate that everything worked out. And I think that, you know, from my board's perspective, of course, you know, it's all about risk management, as is a big part of my job. Um, and you want to, you know, make sure that you've sort of got a solid business case moving forward and that you're monitoring your uh, your finances. But I think that something like this is so much more than, you know, hoping to make a buck at the end of the day, because really we do um, hope that, you know, with any proceeds, if we do happen to have a modest surplus at the end of the day, that, you know, that's just going to go to augment the, the programs that we, that we uh, provide or help us to create some new ones. So, you know, you're always... You're always conscious of the money, but um, but I think uh, more so you have to measure, try and find a way to measure those intangible uh, benefits as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I I love that you point out the golf director that you have as, and it, it sounds to me like he's really running, uh, he's operating as kind of that facilitator and making things happen and um, really being that um, person that um, enables uh, employees at uh, at the range. And Al Condalusi um, in episode five refers to this person as being the gatekeeper. Um, so it sounds like you've got a, a, an awesome person that's uh, helping to facilitate that at the range. He is fantastic. Can't say enough. Yeah. 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 So I'm curious for, uh, you mentioned customer service. So, uh, um, that being a key thing for a lot of businesses, especially businesses businesses that provide kind of that face-to-face customer interaction. What are customers, what are golfers saying about the range now that um, that you've been operating it for the last four years? Well, I got to say, to be honest, we don't have a lot of competition around us. Okay. Um, so, so that does work in our favor, but anybody that, that, sort of came into the previous business and then came into uh, the new social enterprise uh, known as the range have all just been um, they're just it's it, they're excited to actually understand a little bit more about what happens in our organization and who are the people that we're supporting and and you know just to be a part of it. And again, our golf director is uh, very well embedded in our community at large. Um, so the people that, I mean, he befriends everybody. <laughs> we have very loyal customers. They're happy to come in. They're happy to interact with uh, with our staff. They're um, happy to provide um, opportunity and support. You know, a lot of things grow out of just that interaction and that uh, knowledge of, hey, you know, we've heard about Bob Rumble, but we really don't know what they do, you know. Um, so to learn a little bit more about what we do, see some of the challenges, because i got to tell you, almost, you know, not every day is a good day for our staff um, at the range. You know, there there are some struggles and there are some issues, and um, sometimes our customers are around to, to witness, um, you know, some less than perfect moments. 
And, um, you know, but again, it, it really is a building an awareness and building a learning. And, uh, you know, you just, it, it's, we have a lot of really good friends and neighbors and a lot of really great customers. Fantastic. Yeah. So it's, it sounds like you're helping to, um, create a more inclusive community as well with that interaction um with uh with your customers which is fantastic um so there's a a second um social enterprise that you were telling me a little bit about um if you'd like i'd love you to to share that with uh with the audience I'd be so happy to. So uh, we've been fortunate enough to receive a couple of grants to start up a community slash therapeutic gardens um, initiative. So we do sit on uh, 65 acres of property here in the lovely town of uh, Milton. Actually, we're right on the border of Halton Hills and Milton. And um, so we we have been in the planning stages of, geez, what do we do with all this property? It is zoned agriculture, and, you know, I, I keep uh, – my, my dream actually is uh, – well, you can ask anybody, they'll tell you it's a hobby farm. Um, <laughs> so we're starting, you know, we started with the range. We're now branching out into our, our gardens. We started with, uh, I think it was about three or four garden plots, and we're up to about 15. Again, we've also invited in our community partners, uh, Community Living Burlington, Oakville, uh, Community Living North Halton. Some of their people have plots on the property, um, and they come, and like growing season is just amazing. I am always amazed when I see the things that are coming out of the garden. Um, so we we are planning on uh, further expansion with that. Um, the other piece that has sort of branched out um, from the social enterprise is a landscaping crew um, that we've developed with the skills that uh, we, we have a number of uh, homes in the community, so the skills that have been acquired during the, their, um, the staff's time at the range uh, has branched out into this really great little landscaping crew um, that does that does uh, a lot of our properties here, and we're trying to get that going as well to be more um, be more instrumental in getting business in, in the community as well. So, yeah, we got a lot going on our garden plots. Uh, I think we're in our third season of that, um, our third phase. Uh, we've had, um, as I said, a number of grants to sort of get us going there. And we've got the design in hand. And we, um, I think we just got uh, um, funding for a pollinator garden. And we're making um, accessible uh, accessible. Um, path path through the gardens this year. That's part of the construction that's going to be going on uh, this year as well. So, lots happening. Eric. Yeah, fantastic. I, I love that, and I love how you've opened it up and created some other partnerships. So, um, you know, being inclusive and, and bringing in uh, community living agencies and, and and other folks into the project. That's fantastic. When you think about social circles. Um, for for the people we support, they they are so small and um, you know or can be very small and you know for deaf people it can be even smaller. 
Um, so to bring people in and give that opportunity for meaningful interaction and uh, employment and volunteer and leisure opportunities, it's it's pretty much a a fantastic thing we're doing out here. Yeah, in, in, in increasing an individual's social capital, right, and they're in building their social yeah. network. Um, yeah, that, that's fantastic, and that can be one of the things that is overlooked um, a lot of the time from from my experience. So, um, so yeah, so I love that. So uh, there is probably more than a couple of listeners that are interested in starting their own social. Um, enterprise or have thought about it what tips or um maybe uh, things that you can lend from your experience in in starting um i guess now you're on your second um what can you can you share to someone that's interested in, in starting or beginning a social enterprise i think the the biggest thing is finding the right people um, as I mentioned before, you've got to have some resources to start things up, and that could be through grants, it could be through donations, um, it could be th through some of these opportunities with um, the Ministry of Community and Social Services, the uh, Employment and Modernization Funds, which I think uh, another round just was approved. Um, again, t you know, a lot of this is to move away from those typical sheltered workshops, uh, the workshop environments, that that type of thing. So, um, yeah, getting getting the right people, having some resources, and uh, and finding a need and finding a, a love um, of of you know of the people that you support, finding what what they really want to do with their day um, and how they can contribute. Mm, I love it. Following your heart, really understanding the need of your customer, finding the right people, and then ultimately finding some money, some seed money to get started. And yeah, you referred to looking at some grants that are becoming available in Ontario. And I'm sure there's other grants in other parts of the world as well. So so that's fantastic, Karen. Um, now, if uh, listeners would like to get in touch with you, um, maybe to have a conversation around some of the stuff you're doing with social enterprise and social innovation, or if people would like to learn about the uh, services that uh, you offer, where can they go to do that? They can certainly uh, Google us at www.bobrumble.org, um, or certainly uh, pick up the phone at 905-878-4932. And anyone would be happy to, uh, uh, I'd certainly be happy to speak to anybody that's interested in a, in coming out and looking at what we do and, and uh, passing along some helpful hints if possible. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you putting that out there for our listeners. And uh, Karen, it's been an honor to have you on the show today. And uh, thank you very much. I appreciate it. I thank you very much, Eric. And I, I love the work that you're doing. I think these um, podcasts are so helpful for uh, for so many people. And, uh, and so I thank you for that on behalf of the families and the people that we support for sure. Awesome. I appreciate your kind words. Thanks so much, Karen. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Perfect. Thank you. 
I'm grateful for Karen coming on the podcast today and sharing the story of the Bob Rumball Association for the Deaf. And uh, it was great how uh, she was open to having a conversation on how to best communicate with the folks uh, that are deaf or, or deaf blind and giving us some tools that uh, for those of us don't, that don't uh, speak uh, American Sign Language um, or some of the other languages to, to communicate in that manner and really being cognizant of our facial expressions and utilizing things like the Spread the Word app. I thought that was really great. Um, I really also love the story of the range and um, how the uh, driving range in Milton was converted from a uh, for-profit business into a social enterprise and the growth that that's providing. Uh, individual, the 12 individuals that work there and the skills and the confidence that that uh, that those individuals are able to build and also how it's starting to uh, impact the customers and create uh, a more inclusive community uh, in the area. So I really love that. And, uh, and a project that's going on with the community gardens. It's fantastic. And uh, I hope for those of you out there that are thinking about starting a business um, in the social space and a social enterprise that Karen's experience was helpful uh, and gave you some ideas on, on things you need to consider uh, when starting up and getting going. Um, so that was fantastic. So uh, grateful for Karen to be in the show today. And we're really looking forward to our conversation next week with Danny Steves. And Danny is an individual um, with a developmental disability. And Danny uh, is going to join us on the podcast and tell us his story. And He's going to tell us about his story looking for employment in his small town and his creativity uh, of him and his uh, support group around him on creating a job opportunity and creating employment for for Danny and himself. So he's a real motivational young guy, and we're excited to have him on uh, on the Empowering Ability podcast next week. Uh, I also encourage you to check out our other podcasts that can be found on uh, at www.empoweringability.org. Uh, we're also on iTunes, so just search Empowering Ability. And I also welcome you to join our Facebook group. Uh, so you can find us at by just searching Empowering Ability on Facebook. So thanks for listening today, folks, and we we'll hope to see you next week. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. Visit us at empoweringability.org for more podcasts and resources to help you and your loved ones impacted by disability build a full and meaningful life.